welcome to Reimagine Hybrid Work, a Data for Betterment Foundation podcast. I'm your host, Maribel Lopez. I'm the founder of Lopez Research and the nonprofit, the Data for Betterment Foundation. The foundation's mission is to help individuals and companies prepare for the future of work by understanding how technology will change business and careers. If you like this episode, please visit reimaginehybridwork.com for links to follow the show on your favorite app and subscribe to our weekly newsletter for additional show content and articles. You can also find me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Maribel Lopez and my blog on lopezresearch.com. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Maribel Lopez, and welcome back to Reimagine Hybrid Work. I'm here today with Vishal Ganariwala, who is the VP of Product and Portfolio Marketing at Citrix, and I'm happy to call him a friend of mine as well. Welcome to the program, Vishal. Thank you, Maribel. It's a pleasure. Vishal, you and I have known each other for a while. We've had the opportunity to talk over lunches and dinners at various Citrix events. But for the audience, can you tell the audience more about you and what some of the things you've worked on at Citrix in the past and maybe what you're working on now? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I started at Citrix a long, long time ago, and I've had six different roles at Citrix. And um, right now, I'm VP Product Marketing, You know, looking across the entire portfolio of our services. And it's a really, really fun job because you get to talk to a lot of customers as well as analysts just like you and the sales teams. So really fun job. I actually love the discussions that we've had about how we've been changing the future of work, which we've been changing work for quite some time. And I see that one of the things that's happened is with the pandemic, we hit an inflection point where companies were reevaluating their virtualization strategies and then looking at something that has been called desktop as a service strategies. and. Lopez Research clients have seen a lot of growth in this, right? Customers are adding this to part of their portfolio to support remote work, to support contract work. You know, we've seen customers looking for quick deployment, cost containment. They're dealing with supply chain issues in terms of getting the devices out, and this actually helped with that as well. And I know some of um, the other research firms that I know as well, firms like Gartner are talking about the desktop as a service market growing by near 100% in 2020. It was like 98% compared to 2019. And it's forecasted to grow considerably in the uh, 60 plus percentages over the next several years. So, okay. So clearly desktop as a service is a market. And one of the definitions of that is that desktop as a service is a cloud computing offering that delivers virtual desktops to users over the internet. It's licensed. It's a per-user subscription. But you and I have spoken about different flavors of DAS, right? There's not like one DAS to rule them all. So maybe we could start the conversation with you talking about the different types of DAS. That's a perfect topic, right? And um, you know, the way I imagine is, imagine if there was you were a kid and you went to an ice cream shop and you only had vanilla flavor. Like, how would you feel about it? Like, it's, it's like, it's pretty sad, right? And so it's really important, like, you know, when, when the whole market starts, it's like it starts with one use case. And but not every customer is identical and their needs are different and their users' needs are different. You know, the DAS market itself has evolved over the years. And when you look at all the leading analysts, as you, you mentioned, like Gartner, IDC, and, and the way they're now even thinking about the market, but most importantly, the customers are thinking about this market is, hey, let me, the most basic form of DAS, which will be a hybrid way of doing things, is let the vendor do all the management. 
right? And um, all the infrastructure that's needed to stand up and deliver these desktops in the cloud. And then the service is obviously subscription-based, could be usage-based, or it could be fixed price. But let, let the vendor do the provisioning, patching, maintenance of the management plane. And let me choose where I want my applications to be. And they can be in the cloud, they can be on in the data center, and so on. And now you can, that's where actually we see most of our customers because, you know, the world is hybrid, multi-cloud. And depending on compliance issues, depending on cost, depending on regulatory reasons or data sovereignty issues, customers want to have this full control where these applications should reside. And then there is another flavor and you can just, you know, you can do a click down and say, well, but there are some specialized use cases, even within this market or where the same customer might be onboarding 100 contractors or 100 interns for that use case or some seasonal workers. They want to spin up everything really quickly and they may not have the right capacity in their data center or somewhere else. And in some cases, they just want the vendor to provide everything, including the capacity of the VM hosting. Right? So that's the managed task portion of the things. And there is a third flavor, believe it or not, which is essentially, you know, a customer is like, that's all good, but I don't even want to manage any of that infrastructure or the control plane or any stuff. I want a service provider to host my applications, even update my applications for me, and just provide everything as a service to me. So that's the service provider markets. In Citrix world, we have CSPs who do that. And so they add even more value on top of this, you know, quote unquote, managed PaaS offering. And so now there are these three flavors. So think about now, you know, going back to our analogy on an ice cream shop, like now you have vanilla, chocolate, strawberry, everything, and you can choose or mix and match and go from there. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And I appreciate the ice cream analogy. Um, Now you've made me hungry. One of the things I like about this approach is I feel when we started with anything cloud related, the assumption was everything was going to be a private cloud and nothing was going to be on-prem. And then throughout time, just the notion in general is whatever type of service we're going to provide, it needs to have choice associated with it. You need to be able to decide where your data resides, how you want to do it. You need to be able to decide what type of provider you want to work with. You need to be able to decide what type of cloud you want to work with. So all of that makes sense as a evolution of where we thought the space was. And I know that you've seen tremendous change during your time in the industry. You've actually started in the early days of virtualization and it's different now when we look at DAS, and maybe you can talk a little bit about how you see DAS being different. You just kind of laid it up in the sense that it's got these three flavors. But if somebody had a notion of what they were going to buy, say, maybe three, five years ago and haven't looked at it, or even in the past year, what would you tell them has changed? So first of all, before DAS, and even before the the, the pandemic and COVID situations. And there were obviously customers doing on-prem BDI and they are still doing it, some of them. But, you know, it was done by having a big infrastructure and you needed a lot of investments to go into it to start. You need to have the right IT skill sets. You needed to have the right kind of funding and investments and commitment uh, from the customers and the IT department itself to grow and scale. And even then, 
you know, there were challenges where they got stuck. Essentially, what if I was doing a mergers and acquisition? Every customer now wanted to have a, you know, plans around business continuity and disaster recovery, especially around the pandemic timeframe. And now that we are seeing businesses trying to grow more and more, so expansion into new geographies or opening up new offices and things like that are, and moreover, the finally what I'm seeing and what's changed these days is your users are everywhere. So the needs, what VDI used to be able to provide is now limited, right, in that, that sense. And well, how DAS changed the thing is it's an evolution about just like everything from a software is becoming a service. This is where, you know, you can go to now a vendor like Citrix and have a management plane across any of these different geos, whether it's in almost every continent and connect pretty easily. You can support your users everywhere. You have way more flexibility in terms of how to grow, how to scale, have a plan around business continuity. And most importantly, you know, we see the the IT skill set shortage, Maribel, these days, you, you can have a generalist IT now start to actually manage these things. You don't really require very specialized sales skill sets, and which are really, really expensive. You don't need to have specialized security people. It's extremely hard to get to these days. And so DAS really solves those use cases as well. So I think having the flexibility, manageability, security is one of the big changes that we've seen in the space. It feels like it's a lot easier to your earlier point to implement these solutions, right? Yeah, it's it's a lot easier to implement. It's a lot easier to get getting started, a lot easier to scale and having the flexibility to do what you want. And we've had a lot of clients that have been dealing with like scale up, scale downs, not really having a good sense of what they needed to do. And I think where these service offerings have gone now, what you were talking about as a service offering is something where it's not as risky for me as a company because I don't have to know everything at the outset. If I need to scale it up, I can scale it up. If I need to change that, I can change that at a later date. If I need to do it in multiple geographies, I can do it in multiple geographies. So a lot of the risk of deployment, I think, gets abstracted as we start to move to these more modern solutions, right? In fact, your upfront investment, too, you can get started on a monthly basis. You can, your upfront investment, you're just trying it out. And then you can really decide how big you want to scale. So upfront investments lower, ongoing risk is lower because you can grow as you want and scale up and down. Okay, so we've talked about the amazingness of it, which I do believe it is amazing. But now I'm wondering, what are some of the top challenges companies are trying to work through with these solutions? And then what are some of the struggles that they're experiencing as they move to embracing DAS, right? I mean, so... When I talk to customers, I mean, I, I can very broadly classify their use cases in these three or four buckets. Right? I mean, the number one, obviously, it starts with these days, even these days, with security, compliance, and regulations. In highly regulated industries, customers are still struggling with compliance and, and regulations. And whether it's HIPAA, it's PCI, it's GDPR, and making sure they're compliant that has actually is, is one of the easiest way to just sandbox these virtual desktops, control the in, entire environments end-to-end, and, and do those things. Security and regulations is one of those use cases. But even within those big bucket, a lot of customers are using DAS for your classic IP security, which is your intellectual property, 
making sure if you have contractors working on some highly sensitive data or your DLP use cases, making sure you're still supporting your users on any device, yet having them not able to like cut, copy, paste, or take away things accidentally or so on. Now, the other one which I see, the other big bucket which I see these days is around, again, enabling your hybrid workforce. And what I mean by that is now you're just onboarding users remotely. I mean, and just sending them a laptop or a machine and saying, hey, connect to your environment and get started. And again, people are saying with the chip shortage and everything going on these days with, with supply chain shortages, there are a couple of ways. Um, if you're just onboarding a contractor and you don't want to ship him a device, let him bring his own device, get him started uh, very quickly. And so with the new users, new employees, it's so easy when they get a complete the big, consistent environment to get started. Mergers and acquisition, again, in the hybrid workforce environment, you just onboarded hundreds of new employees. How do you get them access to the right content? So seasonal workforce, all into the hybrid workforce environment. And then finally, another trend which I'm seeing is that the third big bucket is, you know, the new business processes slash, you know, having these remote locations where employees will work more and more. So think contact centers. We're not going back to the way contact centers were run. And this is a classic use case where DAS is being utilized these days. They, they work mostly on, yeah, two applications and they can get started right away. Frontline and field roles. Just give them a laptop or a device or a Chromebook and there you go. And then finally, the specialized workloads is another bucket where customers come in and talk about still the legacy applications on the Windows side and they're modernizing and rewriting applications, but they still need to support certain applications through the end of their life. Great use case around, you know, virtual apps and desktops. You have your software dev test or design workers on the 3D or manufacturing workloads. You know, again, you don't want to ship them a $10,000, $20,000 high-end PC and, you know, worry about security later on. And then finally, so this is a very, very interesting use case by, you know, a large customer, Citrix Ad, and I just had a chat with them last week is, IT versus OT technologies. <laughs> and this is like that zero trust access into, well, how do I isolate my OT environment so that my SOAP machines, the robotic machines are not hacked, and yet I'm not allowing the operators to work on them from home. So it's pretty scary when I think about it. Wow, this, this large manufacturer, which maybe we all of us use every single day, uh, he's going to let his robotic operators work from home and control those machines. I love the fact that the range of what you were just speaking about in terms of how people can think about DAS, right? And I think that one of the things, you know, everybody's talked about digital transformation. We've all done some digital transformation. I've started talking to people about digital acceleration now. And in digital acceleration, having this type of flexibility to do these different types of use cases really helps a lot. Any other interesting examples of how you're seeing your clients embrace DAS? Let me just touch on like three really, really good examples. Um, at least I've spoken to them recently. This is one on from CIO of Mass General Brigham. He's like one of the largest healthcare providers in Massachusetts. So Jim Noga is the CIO and, and he speaks about, you know, how Citrix has been helping them. So during pandemic, you know, they had a mandate to have 26,000 people work remotely and they're like total of 80,000 employees and they had to get started within three to five days. And so they literally, they were able to get 
everything up and running in Boston Convention Center literally in three to five days using Raspberry Pi devices and Citrix DAS. And to scale up, there's 26,000 employees. And if I think about what he talks about is in a pre-pandemic, they would see close to 9,000 virtual visits per month. And you know it went up to 25,000 month over month, and it's way over a million virtual visits now, which they are seeing. So clearly, things have changed. And I had never used a virtual provider before pandemic. And now it's so easy to just click an app and just uh, get a doctor on call and get, you know, for minor things, get those things checked up. So healthcare is changing definitely. And, and that's, that's a great example, I believe, um, of a customer who was able to scale had the flexibility, and now able to support the modern healthcare use cases like telehealth. Um, let me just give you two more very quickly. The other one is Neste. And it's, again, one of my favorite ones, simply because Neste is a, a large, they're into the sustainable business, but they are themselves ranked fourth or third most sustainable business in the world. And for them, they wanted to move and reduce their carbon footprint, another use case, right? And they were like, hey, we want to get out of the data center business. We want to reduce our overall carbon footprint. Can we work with you and the Google Cloud to actually scale and offer these desktops delivered from the cloud to our end users um, so that they can use low-powered devices on the endpoints, which reduces carbon footprint on the endpoint device side as well. No data center reduces their carbon footprint in the data center. And they solve this use case with Citrix, allowing employees to work again from anywhere and still getting their best work done. So this is, again, a great example where another use case uh, where customers, especially in Europe, are looking at sustainability as a really, really important initiative. And then uh, finally, another customer, and then speaking of manufacturing, which I was talking to you about, IT versus OT use cases is Kemet. Big into manufacturing, electronics. They're in 188 countries, and uh, again, their CIO is is uh, as you're saying, digitally accelerating and not just transforming. They wanted to make sure their employees are engaged, not just productive, with the technology they use, and they want to make sure their employees have freedom to choose the device they want to work from. And uh, DAS was a perfect use case. And including DAS, they were looking at zero trust network access with Citrix, uh, allowing not just the virtual application, but app, you know, access to every single IT sanctioned app to get work done from any device and do it the best they can. I think those are great examples. And I think it really makes it real and helps it come alive for organizations, sort of the breadth and depth of what they can do. And, you know, it's interesting, your sustainability company, I think that we're hearing so much about sustainability now. So it will be one of the things we've been talking to people about is you have big goals, but how do you roll up a series of technologies to actually bring those goals to fruition? And this really has the opportunity to help with that. And it's one of those things where if you look at it, it's not the heaviest lift that you can do, right? It's something that you can do fairly easily that makes a big impact on sustainability. We're trying to figure out how to reduce your electric utilization and become fully carbon neutral can be a big deal with your building. So that's one of the great things we're seeing. So Vishal, those were great customer examples. And I hope that we'll see more on the sustainability side. One of the things that we like to end the podcast with is a bonus question. So what's one book, activity, or place that you'd like to recommend to the audience? I would definitely recommend a recent book I've read, and it's, it's becoming my favorite 
of all time. It's it's called uh, Short History of Nearly Everything, and it's by Bill Bryson. It's a book that tells you about everything you should have actually studied in school, or, or you probably did, and you've forgotten everything about it, all the way from things like atoms or and but how a simple discovery is really made, and, and he goes into the backstories. So highly recommended if you haven't. It's a great pod, um, you know, audio book too, and has become one of my favorites. Well, I'm definitely going to check that out. That sounds super fun. Vishal, thank you so much for your time and your insight, and I hope that we'll have you back again soon. Thank you very well. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please visit reimaginehybridwork.com to subscribe to the show and the newsletter. Until next time, wishing you all of the best in everything in life and in technology. Thank you.